It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van And we are live here on car con. Carcone Carne. I'm James Van Ostel doing this one from home. I'm, I, I overbooked myself. I do this. I, I get excited about Carcone Carne and I overbook myself. So there's a lot going on with Carcone Carne in the days to come, ramping up to Thanksgiving. Tonight is the first of two interviews. Later on tonight, I'll be talking with movie director and returning guest to Carcone Carne, uh, Blaine Weaver, who has a new movie debuting on Hulu this weekend. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be talking to a different director. I'll be talking to Adam Mervis and the stars of the movie The Last Days of Capitalism, which is a really cool movie. We'll talk to them. And then Friday night, I'm talking to Katie Reif, senior writer of the AV Club, about a truly disturbing movie that she is curating at the Music Box Theater. And then coming up this weekend, Sal Ebenanti, comic creator, graphic novelist. Sal Ebenanti will be joining me at Johnny's Beef. I'll be back in the car for that one. And there's more to come. Behind that, I, I'm keeping Carcon Carne busy. I love doing this, and I love the fact that I am gradually getting back into the car. So that's all future tense, present tense. Have you ever found yourself just finding a band, discovering someone's music that you'd never heard of, a, a band that was a big mystery to you up until that point, and have it essentially change your life? That's what happened with one of my next two guests. Eric Clements discovered a handful of cassettes at a thrift store from an 80s Chicago band called The Veil. That discovery led him down a rabbit hole to learn more, and that led him to start a record label to release a Lorna, Donna, Lorna Donnelly excuse me, and The Veil anthology, Time Stand Still. So Clements is on the show today, along with David Thomas from The Veil, to talk about the thrill of music discovery, the passion it inspires, and music in general. Gentlemen, nice to meet you both. Nice Hi. to meet you, James. Hi. Nice. Thanks for having us. So I, I want to go go through that story, Eric, of how you discovered the veil. But before we even talk about that, it, it's got to be fairly surreal, I, I, I would imagine, um, for you, David, to to be talking about the veil in 2021 and uh, to yeah. talk to talk about it as almost like a new thing. I suppose. I mean, it does. It's not. Well, I don't know. It's not new for me. Right. But. Um, yeah, it's, it's so many years on, um, you know, these recordings are all from, help me out here between 86 and 89. Yeah. 87 and 88. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. I rounded, I rounded <laughs> yeah. out. Um, you know, the thing is, is at a certain point, uh, Lorna and I were planning on, you know, putting something together. We kind of started on that, um, uh, the band that we were previously in, we had had some reissues that came out and that went really well. And we were happy with that. And we were, we were working toward perhaps shopping these recordings around and quite unexpectedly and tragically Lorna passed away. Um, and, you know, after that happened, I was, I just kind of felt like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I really want to drag this stuff around with me anymore. And I was basically, I was, I was letting go of all of it. It had sort of been a disappointment that nothing had ever come of it. Um, and I, you know, I basically let go of it. And, and as I did, as I dumped the cassettes at a thrift store, 
um, I said to my wife, I said, I don't know. She was like, you sure you want to do this? And I said, I don't know. Maybe they'll mean something to somebody someday. So these, these were your cassettes. These were my cassettes. That Eric discovered. Correct. All right, let's go there. Eric, you were, do you, are you a thrift store shopper? Are you a music collector? Give me yeah, context both, here. Both, yes. I go to, I go to uh, I've been going to thrift stores for a long time and I collect music, mostly, you know, analog stuff, uh, mostly records, but I do look at cassettes uh, at thrift stores just to see if there's anything good. Uh, that particular day, I, uh, I went into the thrift store and there were these, uh, a bunch of cassettes. Like there were, um, I guess, eight or nine bags hanging. Like every, like this thrift store, Village Discount has these bags of like crap, like bric-a-brac sort of stuff. Yeah. And within that were these, were these cassettes and it was like a bunch of bags of cassettes and I would pull one down. It would be a bunch of mix, mix tapes and stuff, but it would also be like, like this stuff, like suicide. Nice. Like Alan, uh, Alan and Alan Vega. Homemade pretty things, easy beats, compilations, stone roses. Oh, the, these are some great, great finds here. <laughs> Flaming groovies, yeah. trogs. These were tapes that I had made. These were like, these were mixtapes that I made. And at a certain point, I mean, my wife and I were doing a big purge and I just, I got rid of all my cassettes. Wait, so wait, wait. For people who are only listening, that's Changes to Bowie and Another Time, Another Place by Brian Ferry. I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fan- fantastic right. album. Huge's Fun House. Oh, my God. Um, the Breeders, Last Splash. Alan Vega, Saturn Strip. So this is only a, this is only like a, a you know, a percentage of them. There was a Velvet Underground. So anyway, within all of these bags, uh, there was at least one or two like really cool cassettes. And the, the bags were 40 cents each. So I just grabbed all of the bags, um, put them in a bag. I, I would have done the same, same exact thing. I would have been right there with you. I would have done yeah. the same thing. It was a Saturday. I'm just like, I'm just going to buy this stuff now. But, and it was, ended up being like 120 cassettes for about eight bucks. I was going to say. Deal of the century. Deal of the yeah, century. Yeah, deal of the century. Yeah, it was just, it was great. So I just, I put them in, a, I, had, I brought a backpack with me. They all fit in my backpack. Uh, and then after that, I, I left to meet my my wife um, at another store in Andersonville. And I was like, yeah, I have a, a lot of cassettes in my bags. <laughs> so that evening, I just like grabbed like a six pack of beer and just like sat down on my living room floor and just looked at them all. Um, Which, by the way, as yeah. forgive me for interrupting as you're telling the story. That's like a dream Saturday night, isn't it? For me, it is. Yeah. I mean, for real. <laughs> yeah. Stacks like, of stacks of new music acquisitions. Just you hanging out. You got your yeah. cold beverage. And eight bucks. Yeah. The beer yeah. costs more than the cassettes. For sure. But, but uh, so anyway, I couldn't keep, you know, all of these cassettes. And there were a lot of uh, mixed stuff. And I just I couldn't keep everything. So I made a pile of stuff that I'm, I was getting rid of and a pile of stuff that I was going to keep. And I was looking stuff up online just to see if, you know, if there's anything really um expensive or whatever, but I was just looking at, and then I found this one cassette by the veil and it was a four track, um, EP. And it had a, it had a, a photo of, of, uh, a woman. It's actually over there. If you want to grab it, where is it? It's in the back of, uh, Oh, it's in the back there somewhere. Yeah. There you go. Oh, this would be it. Yeah. So then it was this. So then there was this, I found this and it's the veil. Mm-hmm. Um, where is that? Yeah. Like that. And uh, 
It was a four. It was a four-song cassette that we released in 1986, yeah. 88. I don't know something. So I looked it up. I I looked. I was like, "This is interesting." It has a Chicago address. Looked it up. I couldn't find anything. Um, couldn't find anything on YouTube. Couldn't find any photos. Couldn't find any mention of them. So then I put it in the reject pile. <laughs> and I looked at the reject pile a little while later, and I saw like. Um, the, oh, Va- the Veil EP final mixes. Um, and for people who are just listening, these are handwritten cassettes. Are, so that, yes. That's the difference. So yeah. you're seeing like pen or you're seeing ink writing on these tapes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Some of which are probably my handwriting. This, <laughs> this one is. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I found in all, I found, uh, we have the other ones over there, but I found eight cassettes. This was four of them, but I found eight cassettes that had the veil on them. So then, I looked at this one again, the one that that had like sort of an artwork to it. And I looked and I found the name Lorna Donnelly. So I, you know, searched the veil. It was the veil Chicago band before then it was the veil Lorna Donnelly. And that took me to one article in the Chicago Tribune from 1988, September of 88. And it was an article that talked about um, how this band was just getting started or getting moving. They came from this band called Da from the early 80s. So they're like the, the two main members, David Thomas and Lorna Donnelly came from this band Da. Um, and then I, within that, I looked, I found some Da videos, found a bunch of Da photos. And then I found out that uh, Lorna Donnelly had passed away uh, through you know, numerous obituaries uh, from the Tribune sometimes. And, um, and then I looked at, I, so I saw so these tapes. I was like, I didn't even listen to them that night because there was so much other, so much other stuff. But I said, I'm not going to get rid of them. I'm going to keep them because there's this is this music is nowhere to be found. And I just felt bad, you know, because thrift stores are kind of one step away from the garbage. One hundred percent. hundred percent. I appreciate that. I have a collector's mindset, so I, I would have had the same thought as you like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, I I'm not I, I want to do a little more digging here. I want to learn more. Maybe I have something truly exceptional here. And I was thinking at least I could I could like transfer them to digital like on my own because I have this little cheap thing and I could put them on YouTube. So they're not like lost mm-hmm. to the world because I just felt bad about that. So uh, a few months down the road, I'm hanging out at my house. I still hadn't listened to the music yet. A few months down the road, I see these cassettes. I'm like listening to records and I see these cassettes. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I put um, this one in uh, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and I just sat back and like was having a beer or something. I listened to it and I couldn't believe how good it was. You went, wow. Yeah, I went, I was like, I was, I, well, I couldn't believe how wow. good, I couldn't believe how good the first song was. And the second song was good. The third song, fourth song. And then I put in another one. Uh, and then I listened to that and suddenly I had like eight or nine songs. And I'm like, well, I could like make a record from this. Like I have enough. This is, this music's really good. No one knows about it. I can make a record. Um, you know, I've never made a record before. I don't know how to make a record. I guess the first thing I need to do is contact the, the other main member of that band. So Still then, living. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hopefully. So then um, I knew, yeah, I knew Lorna had passed away. So then I, I found that article again, David Thomas, searched him on Facebook and, uh, and said, hey, this is like 12 o'clock on a Thursday. Hey, Wait, uh, which, by the way, as names go, David Thomas seems like an incredibly ungoogleable name and there's a david thomas in perubu like exactly. if you start sure. going down that rabbit hole i'm sure it took a little little work 
But I found him on Facebook, and I know it was him. Because... Dogleg SCTV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dogleg Wendy's. <laughs> I, but I knew I knew it was him because he had photos of Da in his on his Facebook page, like in his photos. So I. But so... he contacts me, and the first thing I see is that there's. Can I? Can I? Can I go? All right. All right. All right. All right. So then I. So then I contact him and I say, hey, this is late at night. I want to, you know, I'd like to release this music. Uh, it's really good, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he said, um, he responded the next morning. He's like, that's really interesting. Where did you hear about it? And I, I, I took a photo of the tapes and sent it to him. He goes, oh, he goes, uh, okay, you know, let's meet or whatever, whatever. So then I'm looking at his Facebook page again. And I noticed we have two friends in common. Uh, one is Rick Addy, you know, Rick Addy, Shake Red on Reed. Uh, he's the owner of Shake Round and Raid, you know, for years. classic Chicago guy. Sure. And the other one was this uh, this guy that um, had been my dad's friend for about 45 years. And I saw that same guy and I said, wait a minute, this is this guy I went to high school with yeah. in St. Louis yeah. in 1984. Yeah. So then I said, uh, yeah, wait for it. So then I said, by the way, how do you how do you know so and so? And he said, is your dad Greg Clemens? And it turns and out he said yes. And I was like. I played on my high school baseball team with his dad. Yeah. So he, so, so then, so, oh no. So, <laughs> so David, uh, so, so anyway, I was like, so David, he had told me, so he, he graduated from the school that I went to high school in 74. My, my dad graduated in 75. Um, he played high school baseball with my dad. We had the same baseball coach. I graduated in 98 and uh, he dated my aunt for two years. Yeah. He says to me, he goes, yeah, I think you might know my mom. And I said, what's your mom's name? And he told me, I said, geez, we were in a French class together. I was in a French yes. class with so, his mom. So my 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 grandparents. Um, in St. Louis, nothing to know, do with Chicago. Crazy. My grandparents recently passed away. And uh, so they have all these photos. Oh, you're not going to show that picture. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> so this is. Lose that. <laughs> no, this is David right here. <laughs> Oh, and then, amazing. And, then, and that's my aunt, my aunt, my my uncle and my mom right there. I can't. My mind is fairly blown here that all well, these all these conversions I mean, well, all the way through the thrift store. I mean, well, the thing was, was it, you know, it felt to me like. All right, this is this is Lorna working her magic. She's she's making sure that these tracks come out because we had started to work on this before she passed. And I kind of felt like, oh, man, she sent somebody that really put the hook in my mouth that I could not say no to. For real. You know what I mean? Like this is actually this is actually kind of cool, cosmic. Whatever. That things had fallen into place in some way, starting with me letting go of these tapes him finding them and then us saying, yeah, sure. Maybe the time is, the time is right to release this. This is supposed to happen. Yeah. That is crazy. So you made the connection <laughs> and then Eric, you, you had to do more research. You had to learn how to become a record company publisher. Basically you had to learn how to build a label and press physical media and all that stuff. You, you uh, yeah, go to I, music boot camp. Yeah, well, you know, David helped me right when, uh, right when we we ended up meeting. Of course, after that that weird coincidence, uh, we found you know on Facebook, we ended up meeting, and Dave gave me David gave me the uh, um, how to find the masters, 
I, I worked with uh, Timothy Powell a little bit and he he helped me. Um, I don't know if you know Timothy Powell, classic. I, I know he's a, a, an icon in Chicago. Yeah, he's an icon. Sure. So I worked mm-hmm. with him. He's, he was awesome. We had done some of the recordings had been with Timothy years ago. He, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, exactly. He transferred the uh, uh, tapes that he had to uh, digital, all the stems. So mm-hmm. and then from there, David and I came up with a 10 song sequence and we contacted Rax Tracks and we were in the studio like um, three times, I think. I love this story. Speaking of mastering, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. I mean, yeah. the truth of it is, is, you know, I had really, I, 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 had, I had let go of it. I had totally let go. It's like, okay, this is never going to happen. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cart these, you know, rough mixes and rehearsal tapes around with me anymore. Along with everything else, we just, I was do, just doing a big purge. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, letting go. And, um, you know, sometimes to hold on to stuff, you have to let go of it, maybe. For sure. So that's, yeah, it's very cool. It's really cool. So, all right. So Time Stand Still is this collection of songs. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that all these songs that were discovered in a thrift store, basically, on their last leg of life, basically, at that point. They were... They were a stone's throw away from the tra- the trash heap forever. Mm-hmm. You brought them back from the brink. Yeah. This is amazing to me. And I am of a certain age where that period of da and then the veil, it was j- happening just before I became fully aware of Chicago music. I was just not quite old enough to, you know, un- you know, I couldn't go to exit. I couldn't go to lucky number or anything like that uh, or a Banyans or any of that stuff. So and this that's is where we were playing. <laughs> right. This this is an era that to me still feels kind of mythological. And so when I hear stories and that's what piqued my interest so much is that Eric tapped into like he he found a way to tunnel back to that time and bring something forward to the present day. I I guess the question to you, David, what do you remember from those days? What was that era like? I mean, for those of us who didn't get to who weren't there, like the like the documentary, we weren't there. What was it like for you? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I mean, you know, starting with Da, I mean, I was I mean, I had I had been in bands in St. Louis. Um, I relocated to Chicago in 1980. Uh, I was lucky enough to fall in with three women that were amazing and doing like really cool stuff. Um, you know, I became the boy guitar player in the in the girl art punk band. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. You know, they were Lorna and Gaylene and Dawn. I mean, they were influenced by, you know, some of the coolest stuff. They were influenced by the same stuff I was influenced by, you know, whether it was Bowie or Mata Hoople or, you know, the Buzzcocks or, um, you know, the New York Dolls, you name it. I mean, we were all listening to the same stuff. And, you know, so that so we really came together in doing that. And then Lorna and I continued on with the relationship later and then formed this other band. And, you know, really during that whole period, I mean, you know, we were just working shitty jobs and, and, you know, playing, playing as often as we could and doing some recording. And, you know, Da had a little bit of, uh, I wouldn't say popularity, but I mean, we, you know, we made some records um, and that was cool. And we were playing with a lot of the other bands in town you know, at the time, uh, a lot of the groups that are on the busted at Oz record strike under and the effigies and naked mm-hmm. Reagan and all those guys, we were, you know, we were friends um, with all those people and sharing stages with them as well as, 
you know, touring groups at places like Tuts and Waves and different different clubs. Um, I don't know. We were just, you know, we were we were just struggling musicians, um, you know, doing what musicians do. Uh, you know, we were drinking a lot and we were doing drugs <laughs> and we were making music and we were reading books and we were going to the movie and like, you know, trying to figure out if we could buy a car, uh, you know, or how to make the rent, find a new rehearsal space or like a new drummer, you know, all of that. It was just, it was just a, you know, it was a constant struggle. And of course there wasn't anything like, you know, home studio was not, it was not readily available. Right. Um, you know, so recording was always um, a, a bit of a challenge. Uh, you know, to, to do recording. We were lucky. We fell in with people that, that uh, you know, we had some connections and we were able to do that. Um, I don't know what else to say about what it was like, except that we were just, you know, we were, we were, we were making music. Just, just kids making music, drinking and reading, which may have been the most Chicago answer you could have given. Yeah. You know, we were reading, drinking, doing drugs, yeah. but the reading part, like, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. We weren't wasting our time. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lorna, Lorna, and before Lorna passed, she ended up like, you know, she was a librarian at the Harold Washington library. Um, you know, we were within, within that circle of, of Chicago bands, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if we were deeper thinkers than others. Um, there were a lot of deep thinkers in that scene. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, we read books a lot. We watched Doctor Who. I, I, don't, know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Lorna. I mean, it's her. her name front and center on this release. What was she like? What was she about? What was when she brought you brought the band lyrics? Like, how did you respond? What, what was that process like? She, uh, you know, she carried a notebook with her a lot. And we would come up with sounds in the studio, you know, in the rehearsal studio. You know, we'd come up with, you know, I'd bring in a guitar part or Gaylene would have a part or something, something would happen. And Lorna would fall into like some lyrical thing that she already had. It was all very personal for her. You know, it was, it was her, um, I think, it, I think a lot of it was Lorna exercising and exorcising her own demons. You know, she was bringing them out and playing with them and she was also getting rid of them. And, and that, that's what it was for her. I mean, it was a real deep, deeply emotional, uh, creative thing that she did. And we, myself and, and we as a band were mainly her vehicle to, to help her do that, to push it along, you know, to bring in our own ideas. Um, but she was incredibly creative and, um, I, I feel blessed to have been associated with her since this project was announced have either of you heard from her family members friends associates like what have people come out of the woodwork to say about this eric's been in contact with all of them yeah i've been in contact with her siblings mm -hmm. um what are people saying uh, people are really excited about it um, I mean, it, it, has it been an emotional thing? Is oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely emotional. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, I've talked to a lot of her uh, former bandmates in, uh, in the Vale, from the Vale, 
from Da, from Hip Deep Trilogy, which was a band she was in from like 92 to 94. And uh, everyone's, uh, you know, the things that David said about Lorna, it's just like, everyone says that. It's just this constant, like, it's just this consistent, like, respect um, for what she did, her art, her, you know, her talent. Uh, you know, if you heard her sing bass, uh, writes most of the songs, you know, she was, she led three bands, you know, over a 17 year period on and off a little bit. She had, she was in more bands, but it's just like, she was, um, I'm kind of getting off a little off of what you're saying, but yeah, it's been a very, uh, rewarding experience to, to help, uh, this gap in music, uh, this gap that Lorna had in her discogs in her musical <laughs> career, like fill it, help fill that. Cause now it's just, it was Da and it was hip deep trilogy and they're like 10 years apart. Mm-hmm. And it just seems it, it, it doesn't tell as much of a story. And she was a, she was a presence in the Chicago music scene for so long. And I think this helps kind of fill those, fill those gaps a little more. And I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of that. Again, there's so much about this story that I just love, but at the core of it, the thing that hooked me and that, that still inspires me is that you discovered this band, Eric, you discovered this band that you had no knowledge of and you dug in and it just it blew you away and it, it inspired you to the point where you're like, I'm going to contact the guy. I'm going to get this stuff. I'm going to make sure that people hear this. I mean, this is, this is a story. It is all about the love of music. And this is, this is the right story to, to share. I love this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've said this before, but you have the weird, the weird thing with uh, David and our, our connection, you know, as far as how he with my dad in high school and stuff. And then you have that, that supernatural thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have all the information that, that I've learned and that's out there about Lorna. Uh, but when I listened to that music that night, I didn't know any of that. I just I didn't know what they even looked like. There's there wasn't any any photos of anything. Um, I didn't know what Lorna looked like because of uh, I saw I found her photo and stuff, but I didn't know what the band looked like, the style, anything. I just heard the music, and I think that was, I think that's probably the the highest compliment, you know, that of Lorna and of David and of the other members. It's just with nothing else, I just heard the music and was like, this needs to be heard by other people. This is good enough. And since then, like even like Smash Plastic, the guys at Smash Plastic are great. The guys who pressed the record. The mm-hmm. company who pressed the record. Uh, when I was picking up the records a few months ago, they just were were saying, you know, such good things about the music. Everyone back back there loves it. You know, back there making the, you know, every all the people, all of our workers love it. And uh, you know, it feels really good that it just started with like this. Should I get rid of these? Should I not get rid of these? And then listening to them and then like making this decision. It's probably it's one of the best experiences of my life. That's amazing. Okay. So again, it's time stand still. People can stream it on Bandcamp and wherever. But more importantly, I was getting to that. You're holding up the record pressed at Smash Plastic here in Chicago right. over on uh, Diversity. That's right. Gorgeous. Can you hold up the uh, the actual vinyl? Sure. Look at that. Gorgeous pink vinyl. Yeah. Hold on. Here. And you were asking about, like, you know, what it was like there. I mean, he's also. Are those show flyers? Yeah, these are all show flyers from all various shows oh, that we did at the time, you know, all of which, you know, we we did. 
You know, I mean, and this is, you know, this is in the, you know, exacto knives and yeah. you know, spray mounts, period. And go to Kinko's and get a hundred copies. Bands today don't realize how lucky they have it with social media advertising. I know. It's so easy now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but this was, all, you know, this, these were, these recordings, these posters, all this stuff, the whole thing. I mean, it, it was a labor of love. We were, For sure. you know, we knew that it was a good band. Um, you know, various personal things happen sometimes with bands and sometimes things don't last, even if they're, if it's a good thing. Sure. And um, just real quick, all the lyrics. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So lyrics. Yeah, you really thought this through. I wanted he did a great job, and and you know he ran everything past me. Um, you know I had I had, in I of course had input, um, but ultimately I you know kind of left it to Eric to figure out how he wanted to do it. Um, That's gorgeous. You know, that he had he had been the rediscoverer of this stuff, and um, you know he had been. He had been placed on whatever path, whatever path it was that brought him to this. And so he should, you know, so this then becomes his creative process. So I mentioned streaming. Where can people get their hands on that lovely vinyl release? Lorna Dolly in the veil dot Bandcamp. Oh, I you can buy it from Bandcamp from the, from the merch tab on Bandcamp. From, from Bandcamp. You can get it at, uh, I feel bad. I'm going to forget a few of them. You can get it at um, some of the local reckless, reckless, uh, rattleback. Uh, what's the great one on diversity? So it's a little shot. They're so awesome. I can't. I, I wish I would. Uh, Sugar. You can get it from Sugar. Uh, gosh, I can't remember that other one. I, she's she's great. But uh, but yeah, you can get a bunch of other bunch of places. Facebook. It has a list of where you can get it. Great. On uh, the Facebook page. Um, maybe, but yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we should dump some at the thrift store. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll slide them in there between the, you know, Bobby Goldsboro yeah. and uh, Christmas records. Some, some guy who graduated uh, Brentwood in like 2010 will get it. That's but, right. My God, isn't that the truth? I've tried to find diamonds in the rough at the local thrift stores, whether it's Goodwill or Salvation Army. And the only records I ever see are like Manilow, First Family Rides Again, and the Pablo Cruz album with Love Will Find a Way. That's yeah. it. Streisand, yeah, uh, sure, sure. Johnny Mathis Christmas is a, is a big one. And the occasional Rod Stewart album from the late 70s. Yeah, yeah. Occasional Rod, occasional sticks, beat up sticks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's like sticks, two, or pieces of eight. One of yeah. those two. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right. Well, I, I, I love that this exists. I love that you, the, the care and excitement that you've put behind this. David, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, cool. And it's, you know, I mean, it's nice. It's nice that it's out. It feels yeah. real. You know, there was a, this, this was a lost piece of my history, our history, her history. And mm -hmm. it's nice that it's actually, it's actually has seen the light of day. It's cool. So cool. All right. I'm going to stop streaming, but gentlemen, thank you for joining me tonight. Stay right there though. Okay. Thanks James. And if thank you're listening you. or watching, thank you for doing that.